السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ As we learned from the previous ahadith, that the eclipse prayer is supposed to be very different, very unique. Why? Because the reason for this prayer is also very unique. Unusual event and unusual prayer. And in this prayer, the sujood also has to be very long. How long? حدثنا أبو نعيم قال حدثنا شيبان عن يحيى عن أبي سلمة عن عبد الله بن عمر أنه قال لما كسفت الشمس when the sun eclipsed على عهد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم during the time of Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم نودية it was announced that إن الصلاة indeed the prayer جامعة it is going to be in congregation where? in the masjid فَرَقَعَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ رَقَعَتَيْنِ Then the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, he performed two rukours. فِي سَجْدَةٍ إِنْ إِسَجْدَةٍ Now over here the word sajda doesn't mean prostration, rather it means a raka'ah. Alright? Because the word sajda is used for raka'ah. Alright? And as you know that the word raka'ah is also used for rukour. Alright, as we learned in the previous hadith, the word rakar was being used for rukur, and as we will learn in more hadith also. And the word sajda is also used for rakar, okay, unit of prayer. So these terms are used, you know, interchangeably, as we will see. And rakartaini fi sajdatin in a sajda, sajda meaning rakar. Why is rakar called sajda? Because rakar ends with a sajda, alright? So, fi sajdatin. Summa qama faraka'a raka'ataini fi sajdatin. Summa jalasa, then he sat. Summa julli on his shams. When he ended the prayer, what happened? The sun was also, uh, you know, it became clear. Qala, wa qalat Aishatu. He said that Aisha radiallahu anha said about this prayer, ma sajadtu. I have not prostrated. Sujudan, a prostration. Qattu, ever. Kana atwala minha. That was longer than that. Aisha radiallahu anha said that this was the longest sajda, the longest prostration that she ever made in her life. The longest prayer, the longest prostration. Which one? The one in kusuf. Now think about the longest sujood that you've made or the longest record that you've made. You know, it. you can remember it. You know, for instance, the longest qiyam that you've ever stood, perhaps behind an imam in one of the masjids and you thought, never again in this masjid am I coming. Huh? Or, you know, this imam should be sent a message that this qiyam was way too long. I remember once I prayed behind an imam and I think the first rakar was about an hour long. Some people thoroughly enjoyed it. And there were many people who were complaining about it. Huh? But that qiyam... I, I believe nobody's forgotten it. Huh? At least I haven't forgotten it. So likewise, Aisha radiallahu anha said that that sujood was so long that I have not performed a sujood longer than that. So one of the unique features of Salatul Kusuf is 
لانگ سجود لانگ قیام لانگ رکور لانگ سجود باب صلات الكسوفی جماعتن The eclipse prayer is performed in a jama'ah meaning in a group وَصَلَّى ابْنُ عَبَّاسِدْ لَهُمْ فِي صُفَّةِ زَمْزَمْ Ibn Abbas عنه, led the people in prayer, meaning in Salatul Kusuf, where at Sufa of Zamzam, meaning near the Zamzam well. وَجَمَعَ عَلِي يُبْنُ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ بْنِ عَبَّاسِ Ali, he also jama'a, meaning he performed in congregation. وَصَلَّى بْنُ عُمَرْ So basically Imam Bukhari has mentioned parts of different narrations over here, which indicate that the companions and the Salaf, what did they do? They performed Salatul Kusuf in jama'a. Alright? And this shows to us that it is best to perform Salatul Kusuf in Jama'ah because that was the way of the Prophet ﷺ and the companions after him. And obviously the Imam of the time, he should lead the people in prayer. However, if he is unavailable, then whatever is possible, whoever can lead best uh, you know, the, the people, then he should lead. Like for example, in the family, all right, at home, if it's not possible to go to the masjid, then whoever is able to lead, they should lead. حدثنا عبد الله بن مسلمة عن مالك عن زيد بن أسلم عن عطاء بن يسار عن عبد الله بن عباس قال he said إن خسفت الشمس على عهد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم the sun eclipsed during the time of the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم فصلى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فقام قياما طويلا he prayed and that قيام was very long نحوا like من قراءة سورة البقرة like the recitation of سورة البقرة which shows that the Qiyam was as long as one would read Surah Al-Baqarah. So it is not necessary to recite Surah Al-Baqarah. Other surahs may also be recited. However, they may be joined together. Like for example, many times, uh, you know, for instance, if you find videos of uh, Salat Al-Kusuf in Makkah, you will find the recitation of Surah Al-Tawbah, Surah Maryam, Surah Yaseen, different surahs together, you know, in one rak'ah. So long Qiyam. نَحْوًا مِنْ قِرَاءَةِ سُورَةِ الْبَقَرَةِ ثُمَّ رَقَعَ رُكُوعًا طَوِيلًا Then he performed a long ruku' ثُمَّ رَفَعَ فَقَامَ قِيَامًا طَوِيلًا Then he got up and performed a long qiyam وَهُوَ دُونَ الْقِيَامِ الْأَوَّلِ And it was shorter than the first qiyam ثُمَّ رَقَعَ رُكُوعًا طَوِيلًا Then a long ruku' وَهُوَ دُونَ الْرُكُوعِ الْأَوَّلِ It was shorter than the first ruku' So basically two qiyam, two ruku' ثُمَّ سَجَدَ Then he went into sajda ثُمَّ قَامَ قِيَامًا طَوِيلًا وَهُوَ دُونَ الْقِيَامِ الْأَوَّلِ Then in the second raka'ah, what happened? Another qiyam, and that qiyam was shorter than the qiyam of the first raka'ah. ثُمَّ رَقَعَ رُكُوعًا طَوِيلًا وَهُوَ دُونَ الرُكُوعِ الْأَوَّلِ ثُمَّ رَفَعَ فَقَامَ قِيَامًا طَوِيلًا وَهُوَ دُونَ الْقِيَامِ الْأَوَّلِ ثُمَّ رَقَعَ رُكُوعًا طَوِيلًا وَهُوَ دُونَ الرُكُوعِ الْأَوَّلِ ثُمَّ سَجَدَ Then he prostrated. So what do we see? That each ruku' was shorter than the previous and each qiyam was shorter than the previous. And the first raka'ah was longer than the second raka'ah. ثُمَّ سَجَدَ ثُمَّ انصَرَفَ وَقَدْ تَجَلَّتِ الشَّمْسُ When he ended the prayer, the sun had appeared again. فَقَالَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم. Then the Prophet ﷺ addressed the people and he said, إِنَّ الشَّمْسَ وَالْقَمَرَ آيَتَانِ مِنْ آيَاتِ اللَّهِ The sun and the moon are two signs from the signs of Allah. لَا يَخْسِفَانِ لِمَوْتِ أَحَدٍ وَلَا لِحَيَاتِهِ They do not become eclipsed due to the death or the birth of anyone. فَإِذَا رَأَيْتُمْ ذَلِكَ فَاذْكُرُوا اللَّهِ Then when you see that, then remember Allah. قَالُوا يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ they said, meaning the Sahaba, they said to the Prophet ﷺ, O Messenger of Allah, رَأَيْنَاكَ We saw you. Meaning when you were praying, the eclipse prayer, we saw you, تَنَاوَلْتَ شَيْئًا فِي مَقَامِكَ تَنَاوَلْتَ You were reaching out, uh, شَيْئًا, towards something, فِي مَقَامِكَ In your 
standing place meaning while you were standing in prayer we saw you reaching out for something and then summara aynaka then we saw you ka'arta that you were withdrew that we saw you stepping forward as if you were reaching out for something and then you went back what was that about qala sallallahu alayhi wasallam he replied inni ra'aytul jannah indeed i saw jannah fatanawaltu unqudan i was reaching out to the grapes okay bunches of grapes that i could see walaw asabtuhu and if i had taken it if i had grabbed it la akaltum minhu surely you would have eaten from it ma baqiyat ad-dunya as long as this world would remain meaning those grapes would never finish why because the things of jannah they never end wa uritu an-nar and i was also shown the fire falam ara manzaran then i have not seen any sight kal yawmi like today meaning like what i saw today qattu ever afla that was more scary that was more hideous wa ra'aytu akthara ahliha an-nisa and i saw that the majority of its inhabitants were women qalu they said bima ya rasulullah how come o messenger of allah qala he said bi kufrihinna because of their kufr meaning their ingratitude qila it was said yakfurna billah do they disbelieve in allah qala he said yakfurna al-ashir they do kufr towards the companion meaning the husband wa yakfurna al-ihsan and they do kufr of his ihsan of his good law ahsanta if you were good ila ihdahunna to one of them ad-dahra forever kullahu alabik meaning for all time since you knew her since she knew you you were always good to her thumma ra'at minka then she saw in you shay'an something qalat she says ma ra'aytu minka khayran qattu i have never seen anything good from you now all of these hadith we have read them we have heard of them but separately now we see how at what occasion the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam mentioned this to the people and when was it at the time of eclipse solar eclipse because at that time on seeing something like the eclipse and on praying such a long prayer like that of salatul kusuf then the hearts of people are soft and they're willing to listen to something they they want to be advised so we see that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam advised them and we see that during this prayer the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was made to see jannah and he was also made to see hellfire and then he warned the people and he also mentioned that the majority of the people that he saw in hellfire were who women why because of their kufr which kind of kufr kufr duna kufr kufr which is less than kufr meaning minor kufr as you know there are levels of kufr as there are levels of iman right there are levels of fisq so likewise there is a kind of kufr which does not expel a person from islam but it definitely makes a person sinful and it makes a person deserving of hellfire what kind of kufr is this the kufr of ingratitude being ungrateful to who to the husband What is kufr? What does kafara mean? To hide, to cover, right? So kufr akbar. What is that? To deny 
Allah's right of being God, of being worthy of worship, of being the creator, of being the owner. A reality is being covered. It is being hidden. Likewise, a husband, what does he do towards his wife? Does he show any goodness, any ihsan? Yes. I mean, that's what is expected of him, right? From the time of marriage until afterwards, what is a husband doing? Giving. Right? A, a woman might say, but he's not that good to me. Just think about the money that he's spending on you. I think that is enough of a reason for a woman to feel gratitude towards her husband. That at least he's spending on me. Hmm? Think about it. He's working so long, so many hours. He's always striving to make more money. Why? To provide a better life, a better, you know, a, a better opportunities to his children. Right? He cares about his family, and this is why most of his paycheck is going into what? Bills. What bills? That the family uses. Whether it is to do with the house or the rent or the water or the phone or the internet or the TV, the car, the gas, whatever, you know, education, fees, whatever it may be. Is the husband not always spending? Isn't he? I mean, that's what he's expected to do. Yes, many times the wife also participates. You know, she takes a share of all the bills and expenses. But I think it's a big deal that you make money and then every month 75% to 90% of that money just goes away. It's just eaten away. I think it's a big deal. I don't know if you feel it, but I think if I got a thousand dollars and 900 of that just went into somebody else's expenses, I think it, it matters a lot. So if we just remember this one ihsan of the husband, that if I buy food, I buy it with the money that he makes. If I go buy something that I wear, I buy it with the money that he makes. If I'm paying for some education, it's with the money that he makes. It's his big ihsan on me. And then what happens? This is such a true statement that you do good to her ad-dahra kullah. What does dahr mean? Time. Hmm? Meaning from the beginning to the end. From the beginning of your relationship, you've been doing good to her. And then she sees just one thing in you that bothers her, that disappoints her. And what does she say? She writes off everything. I've never seen anything good in you. This is why when women talk about their husbands and they complain about them, I hate such conversations. I don't care if your husband is not a good handyman at home. And I don't care if he doesn't fix things and they're just sitting around. Please don't tell that to your friends. This is something that does not befit uh, you know, a grateful person. That she's complaining about her husband before her friends. Is this not riba? Is it not backbiting? It is, right? I mean, it's one thing that you're uh, mentioning something to seek advice or you are mentioning something in a way that you know your husband is not going to have a problem with it because you're not mentioning it in a, in a negative way. You're just talking about it. That's fine. But complaining about him, talking bad about him behind his back, what is the definition of riba? What is the definition of riba? To mention about your brother in a way that he would dislike. 
something that he would dislike. He does not want that you should talk about those things about him in front of other people. So would you like it if your husband found out that you were talking about him in that manner with your friends? No. Then avoid such things. Remember his ihsan. And what do we learn in this hadith? That it is this ingratitude that will take many women to hellfire. Many women will end up in hellfire because of this. We learned in Uqidatul Wasitiyah that eventually believers will be taken out of hellfire. But can you imagine being thrown into the hellfire not because a woman fell short in her prayers or in her fasting or you know, in her duty towards her children or her parents. No, everything good, mashallah. But her ingratitude towards her husband. Because of that, she's being punished in the akhirah. And this is something that we really have to take seriously. You know, sometimes we think, we begin to think very highly of ourselves. I know so much. And now I have this certificate and that certificate and I have taken this course and my husband doesn't even know this. Forget about the ilm that you have and forget about the status that you have outside of your home. With your husband, what is your relationship? You're his wife. What is your akhlaq with him? And those of you who are not married, take this lesson. When you get married, your husband has a big haq on you. And you have to show respect to him. And you have to show appreciation for his ihsan. Because, مَن لَمْ يَشْكُرِ النَّاسِ لَمْ يَشْكُرِ اللَّهِ If all of this knowledge is not translating into action, and that action is not you know, showing any gratitude to the husband, what benefit is this knowledge? What good is it? This knowledge that is written in the book is not going with you in your grave. What's going with us is our amal. So showing shukr to the husband is very, very important. Because ingratitude to the husband is something that leads women to hellfire. And look at the occasion, how the Prophet ﷺ is reminding people. There are so many women who struggle with their husbands in different ways. Because the husband is not speaking nicely or he's not giving importance to her. He doesn't acknowledge you know, all the work that she's doing, looking after the house and looking after the children, how she's the last person to go to sleep. But still, it's as though she's doing nothing. And all women want many times is simply attention from their husbands. Hmm? And they feel very hurt when the husband is not acknowledging them. Hmm? And many times I have observed that the rift that has come between the husband and wife that they're living in the same house, they're still married, but they're living in two separate worlds. It's as if they don't know one another. Why? Because they don't show ihsan to each other. They don't acknowledge the good in the other. What did the Prophet ﷺ advise men? That if there's something that, that you hate about your wife, at least there's one thing that should please you. Right? So remember the good and forget about the problems. And as women, we should also remember that. Forget about, you know, the fact that he's ignoring you, or he's not praising you, or he's not thanking you. Forget about that. Focus on your duty. Focus on your obligation. And I guarantee, inshallah, the relationship will improve. And if it doesn't improve, then you know what? Inna Allah la yudiru ajr al-muhsinin. Allah does not waste the reward of those who do ihsan. Many times I have observed that that women who are having issues with their husbands, they're not big issues. They're minor. They're normal. These things happen in normal relationships. 
You know, for instance, a woman says, I bought a shirt for my husband and I told him, you know, look, I, I just bought this shirt for you and it's in the, you know, it's hanging in the closet and he says, oh, okay, thanks. And it's just hanging there for a week. Yeah, that's normal. That's perfectly normal. Do they even know where their shoes are from last year? They have no clue. Many times it happens that even you don't realize things that are, you know, that, that you purchased, that you bought. So these are normal issues. Don't exaggerate them. And remember that every problem can be solved with ihsan. So stop demanding and start giving. Give and give and give more. And if you don't get back from people, forget it. Allah will give you. Because everything is being written. So this is a very important thing that we have to remember in our relationships. Be the giving one. And expect reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Bab salati nisa'i ma'arrijali fil kusuf. The women praying with the men in the eclipse, meaning during the eclipse. Should they pray together or should they pray separately? If it's salatul jama'ah, what does that mean? Can women pray? Of course they can. Now obviously it doesn't mean they're standing next to men. Hmm? The etiquette of jama'ah, salatul jama'ah is understood. Men in the front, women at the back. حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف قال أخبرنا مالك عن هشام بن عروة عن امرأته فاطمة بنت المنذر عن أسماء بنت أبي بكر رضي الله عنهما أنها قالت أتيت عائشة رضي الله عنها زوج النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم حين خسفت الشمس أسماء رضي الله عنها said that she came to the wife of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم عائشة and who was she? her sister when she came to her when the sun had eclipsed فإذا الناس so it shows that she came in her apartment. And at that time, the people, they were qiyamun, standing, yusallun, praying. وَإِذَا هِيَ قَائِمَةٌ And she was also standing to salli, praying. So she saw in the masjid, everybody standing and praying. And she saw Aisha radiallahu anha, she was also standing and praying. فَقُلْتُ So I said, and who is she talking to? Aisha radiallahu anha. She said, Malinas, What's with the people? What's going on? How come everybody is praying? It's not time for Zuhur or Asr or Maghrib. I mean, why is everybody praying? So it seems as though she did not understand that they were praying because of the eclipse. Why? Perhaps she did not see the eclipse. Uh, why? Because maybe it was not a total eclipse, but a partial eclipse. And when there is a partial eclipse, then remember, it is still somewhat bright. Because only part of the sun is covered. Or maybe she thought that it's dark because of an overcast. Right? So she didn't realize that it was an eclipse. So this is why she said, Malinas, what's with the people? Fa'asharat biyadiha. So Aisha radiallahu anha, she gestured with her hand ila sama to the sky. She's praying and she pointed towards the sky. Waqalat, and at the same time she said, Subhanallah. Fakultu. So Asma, she said, I said, Fa'asharat. So I said, Ayatun? Is it an ayah? Meaning a miracle? Something strange? Aisha radiallahu anha fa'asharat. She gestured. Aynam. Yes. Meaning she didn't say yes, but she signaled with the movement that yes. Qalat asma radiallahu anha said, faqumtu. So I also stood. Meaning with Aisha radiallahu anha in order to pray. Hatta until tajallani al Until faintness overcame me. Meaning she fainted. 
فَجَعَلْتُ And when she regained consciousness, she said that I began pouring, أَصُبُّ I was pouring فَوْقَ رَأْسِي over my head الْمَاءَ water. فَلَمَّا صَرَفَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ Then when the prayer ended, حَمِدَ اللَّهَ The Prophet ﷺ praised Allah وَأَثْنَى عَلَيْهِ ثُمَّ قَالَ Then he said, مَا مِن شَيْءٍ There is nothing. كُنْتُ لَمْ أَرَهُ That I had not seen إِلَّا إِكْسَبْ قَدْ رَأَيْتُهُ I have seen it now فِي مَقَامِ هَذَا In this place of mine. حَتَّى الْجَنَّةَ وَالنَّارِ Even paradise and hell. وَلَقَدْ أُوحِيَ إِلَيَّ And it has been revealed to me أَنَّكُمْ تُفْتَنُونَ فِي الْقُبُورِ That you indeed will be punished, or you indeed will be tested, rather not punished, you will be tested in the graves. مِثْلَ similar to, أو قَرِيبًا or closer to, مِن فِتْنَةِ الدَّجَّالِ Than the trial of the Dajjal. Meaning that trial will be as severe, almost as severe, as the trial of the Dajjal. لَا أَدْرِي أَيَّتَهُمَا قَالَتْ أَسْمَا The narrator said, I don't know which term exactly أَسْمَا used. يُؤْتَى أَحَدُكُمْ He will come to one of you. فَيُقَالُ لَهُ Then it will be said to him, مَا عِلْمُكَ بِهَذَا الرَّجُلِ Meaning when one of you is buried in the grave, then he will be questioned. It will be said, What is your knowledge about this man? فَأَمَّا الْمُؤْمِنَ As for the believer, أو الْمُؤْقِنَ Or the person who has يَقِينَ لَا أَدْرِي أَيَّ ذَلِكَ قَالَتْ أَسْمَا I do not know which term exactly أَسْمَا used, whether she said مُؤْمِن or مُوْقِن. But the مُؤْمِن, فَيَقُولُ He will say, مُحَمَّدٌ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ That man is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam ja'ana bil bayyinati who came to us with clear proofs wal huda and guidance fa'ajabna so we responded to him wa amanna and we believed wattaba'na and we followed fayuqalu lahu it will be said to him nam salihan sleep like a good person faqad alimna in kunta lamuqinan certainly we knew that you were indeed someone who believed with certainty وَأَمَّا الْمُنَافِقَ And as for the hypocrite, أو المرتاب, or the one who has doubt, لَا أَدْرِي أَيَّتَهُمَا قَالَتْ أَسْمَاءَ I do not know which term Asma used exactly. فَيَقُولُ He will say, when he's asked this question, لَا أَدْرِي I do not know. سَمِعْتُ النَّاسَ يَقُولُونَ شَيْئًا فَقُلْتُهُ I heard people saying something, so I also said it. Now this hadith, what does it show? In earlier in our hadith, we learned that Aisha radiallahu said that a Jewish woman came to her and asked her for something. And she uh, gave a dua to Aisha radiallahu that may Allah protect you from the punishment of the grave, from the trial of the grave. So Aisha radiallahu asked the Prophet later that will people be tested in the grave? Is there punishment in the grave? So the Prophet he affirmed. He said yes. And he sought refuge against the punishment of the grave. And then later on when the eclipse happened, he informed the people about the punishment of the grave and he told them to seek refuge with Allah against this punishment. And this hadith shows us more detail about that incident that how the Prophet ﷺ even described the fitna of the grave. He even described that fitna. And what is that fitna? That a person will be tested. And you have learned about the details of this fitna in Aqidatul Wasatiyah. Now, the reason why Imam Bukhari brings this hadith is to prove that women can pray Salatul Kusuf with the men. Why? Because it is permissible for women to pray with the men in Jama'ah. It is ja'iz. It is permissible for women to pray in Salatul Jama'ah with men. 
However, when it comes to Salatul Eid, then remember it is not just jaiz, it is mustahab, it is recommended for them. Alright? But when it comes to Salatul Kusuf, when it comes to the five daily prayers, when it comes to Salatul Jumu'ah, it's jaiz. It's permissible for them. It's not something that they have to do, that they're encouraged to do. It's, it's something that is allowed for them. Now obviously if they do it, they will get the extra reward also for their effort. And this shows that women may go to the masjid, especially to perform Salatul Kusuf also, if there are arrangements for that. And uh, this hadith shows us a number of uh, other lessons also from the interaction that took place between Asma and Aisha, that it shows that during Salat, it is permissible to do ishara. What is ishara? To signal or to gesture with your hand, you know, some kind of body language to communicate with the other. Alright? Because we see that Asma asked Aisha and Aisha responded how? With ishara. She pointed towards the sky. Alright? And this is the reason why if you're praying salah and someone comes and says salam to you, you can actually respond to their greeting. How? With a gesture. Alright? How that for example you can raise your hand and that's it. Don't say wa alaykum as but you can just signal with your hand. That is permissible. As long as a person will realize that you have returned their greeting, it is permissible. But why? Because you cannot talk during the prayer. Alright? During salah, no kalam is permissible. Even if somebody is asking you a question, you cannot give them an answer verbally. Aisha anha did not say kusuf. She did not say na'am. What did she do? She signaled. Hand gesture. Right? Remember that deliberately speaking during the salah, what does that do? It breaks your prayer. Unless it happened unintentionally, okay, or it happened out of ignorance, then that will not invalidate the prayer. However, deliberately speaking in prayer, that is something that is not permissible. And the hadith also shows to us that uh, if you have to ask someone who is praying about something that is urgent, you may do so. Okay? So for example, if there is an emergency, alright, like for example, it's snowing outside, really cold, extremely windy, and somebody is looking for the car key, okay, uh, because they have to go, and uh, or they have to, you know, bring the car in the garage or something, and, and they're looking for the car key, and you're praying, and your bag is right next to you. Okay? And they're saying, where is the car key? Where is the car key? And everybody's running around the house looking for... You know, these situations happen in daily life. So in your prayer, you can say, Subhanallah, and just point towards your bag. Because Aisha anha, she said, Subhanallah. And remember that if there is something, you know, some matter towards which you have to draw attention, alright? Then there's two things that you, that, uh, you know, people do. The men, they're supposed to say subhanallah, and the women, they're supposed to clap. And this could be for various reasons. One, one reason could be that the imam is making a mistake. Alright? And the imam has to be alerted about that. Another situation could be that, uh, you know, there's an emergency that has happened and imam needs to be alerted about that. Alright? Likewise, somebody outside of prayer is asking you about something, or there's a child who's about to hurt himself, then you can Clap. A woman can clap. But from the action of Aisha, we see that if a woman is alone, there is no man around, then she may even say, 
Subhanallah. To draw attention towards something. Deen is easy, right? Practical. Alhamdulillah. And it's necessary that we tell our children, our family about this, that if I'm saying Subhanallah in salah, or if I'm clapping, you know, that means you have to pay attention. Okay? It's a warning signal. But this doesn't mean that on every little thing we're saying Subhanallah and we start clapping and we start gesturing. No. On something that's extremely necessary. Because you see, the eclipse prayer is a long prayer. I imagine if Asma is just waiting, wondering what's going on. And if she wants to join the prayer, she better know what prayer is this. Right? Go ahead. I mean, uh, the thing is that if it is uh, something that is done in the voluntary prayer, and we discussed this principle earlier, then it is permissible to do that in the uh, obligatory prayer, unless there is something that shows that it is not okay. okay. Yes. I mean, when it's a jawara, men, women are present, and it's best to um, clap. But when you're alone, then you may say, subhanallah. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Uh, but the thing is that if they're not listening at all, then... Okay. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. As long as it's not, um, you know, an, uh, a, a really big major movement, you know, just with your hand, with your finger, it is okay. Uh then we also see over here that um, during salah, a person may look after themselves if there is a need. Because Asma radiallahu anha, I mean, she fell uh, unconscious. And what did she do? She started pouring water on her head. Okay? So for example, if during your prayer, uh, you were sitting in tashahud. Alright? And sometimes it happens that you know, someone's knee or their leg, you, you got a spasm or you got extreme pain. So you may, you know, rub yourself a little bit, press your knee a little bit gently, not aggressively, but gently. Why? Because you need to relieve, you know, yourself of that pain so that you can continue to pray. Asma anha didn't break the prayer. She just poured water on her. And that water must be nearby. Right? And she started pouring it on her head so that she could Regain consciousness. So likewise, if you're hurting during your prayer, uh, you know, or something needs to be done, you're, you have a bandage on or something and it opens up, you may fix it. Alright? And, uh, what does the hadith show us about the length of the prayer? Very long. She fainted. Bab man ahabbal atakata fi kusuf shams. The one who loved, who liked, to do ataqa. What is that? Itq. To set slaves free. Fi kusuf shams During the eclipse. Solar eclipse. Meaning if there is an eclipse that occurs at that time, what if a person wants to set a slave free? Is that from the sunnah? حدثنا ربيع بن يحيى قال حدثنا زائدة عن هشام عن فاطمة عن أسماء قالت she said لقد أمر النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بالعتاقة في كسوف الشمس during the solar eclipse the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم ordered the people to free slaves why you set someone free and Allah will set you free and remember that this is a time when a person should give sadaqah, rush to prayer, um, likewise do dhikr, takbir, 
So setting slaves free is also a good deed which should be done during this time. Bab salatul kusufi fil masjid. Holding the eclipse prayer in the masjid. حدثنا إسماعيل قال حدثني مالك عن يحيى بن سعيد عن عمرة بنت عبد الرحمن عن عائشة رضي الله عنها أن يهودية جاءت تسألها فقالت أعاذك الله من عذاب القبر We have read this hadith earlier So I'm just going to read the Arabic فسألت عائشة رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أيعذب الناس في قبورهم فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم عائذا بالله من ذلك ثم ركب رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ذات غدات مركبا فكسفت الشمس فرجع الضحى فمر رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم بين ظهراني الحجر ثم قام فصلى وقام الناس وراءه فقام قياما طويلا ثم ركع ركوعا طويلا ثم رفع فقام قياما طويلا وهو دون القيام الاول ثم ركع ركوعا طويلا وهو دون الركوع الاول ثم رفع فسجد سجودا طويلا ثم قام فقام قياما طويلا وهو دون القيام الاول ثم ركع ركوعا طويلا وهو دون الركوع الاول ثم قام قياما طويلا وهو دون القيام الاول ثم ركع ركوعا طويلا وهو دون الركوع الاول ثم سجد وهو دون السجود الاول ثم انصرف فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ما شاء الله ان يقول ثم امرهم ان يتعوذوا من عذاب القبر Now Imam Bukhari has mentioned this hadith to show that salat al-kusuf should be in the masjid Where is that mentioned in the hadith Which words tell us that the salah was in the masjid فمر رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم بين ظهراني الحجري ثم قام فصلى The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم passed by the apartments of his wives and then he stood and prayed He came back from a journey All right and he came and passed by his home Why because that was right next to the masjid Right so what does it show that he came especially to the masjid why to perform the prayer in the masjid he did not establish it elsewhere rather he performed it in the masjid so what does this show that salatul kusuf is best in the masjid bab la tankasifu shamsu li mawti ahadin wala li hayatihi rawahu abu bakrata wal mughirata wa abu musa wa ibn abbas wa ibn umar radiyallahu anhum that the sun does not eclipse due to the death of anyone nor because of his birth. حدثنا مسدد قال حدثنا يحيى عن اسماعيل قال حدثني قيس عن ابي مسعود قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الشمس والقمر لا ينكسفان لموت احد ولا لحياته ولكنهما ايتان من ايات الله فاذا رايتموها فصلوا حدثنا عبد الله بن محمد قال حدثنا هشام اخبرنا معمر عن الزهري وهشام بن عروه عن عروه عن عائشه رضي الله عنها قالت كسفت الشمس على عهد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فقام النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فصلى بالناس فاطال القراءه ثم ركع فاطال الركوع ثم رفع راسه فاطال القراءه سيغان قراءه لونج ركوع لونج قراءة لونج which means second قيام وهي دون قراءته الأولى ثم ركع فأطار الركوع دون ركوعه الأول ثم رفع رأسه فسجد سجدتين so the سجدة came when after two قيام and after two ركوع ثم قام فصنع في ركعة ثانية مثل ذلك ثم قام فقال إن الشمس والقمر لا يخصفان لموت أحد ولا لحياته ولكنهما آيتان من آيات الله يريهما عباده فإذا رأيتم ذلك فافزعوا إلى الصلاة باب الذكر في الكسوف ورواه ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما Would anyone like to read this hadith? 
باب الذكر في الكسوفي رواه ابن عباس ذكر during the eclipse ابن عباس reported this باب الذكر في الكسوف رواه ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما حدثنا محمد بن العلاء قال حدثنا أبو أسامة عن بوري عن بريد بن عبد الله عن أبي بردة عن أبي موسى قال خسفت الشمس, خسفت, الشمس خسفت الشمس فقام النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فزعا يخشى أن تكون الساعة فأتى المسجد فصلى بأطول قيام وركوع وسجود رأيته قط يفعله وقال هذه الآيات التي يرسل, يرسل الله لا تكون لموت أحد ولا لحياته ولكن يخوف الله بها عباده فإذا رأيتم شيئا من ذلك فافزعوا إلى ذكر الله ودعائه واستغفاره بارك الله So ذكر during kusuf Why ذكر? Isn't there a salat that has to be performed during kusuf? Hmm? Okay, but there is already salah. Why dhikr? Okay, good. That if the salah is completed and the eclipse is still going on, then uh, people should busy themselves in the dhikr of Allah. Why else? My question is that if there is already a prayer that is prescribed for kusuf, then why extra dhikr or why dhikr why is Imam Bukhari saying a dhikr fil kusuf okay so for instance a person is not able to pray salatul kusuf for various reasons for instance a woman is not praying salah she's uh, menstruating or a person is alone and they don't know Quran they cannot read uh, they cannot even pray themselves or for instance you are driving you are in a bus you are at school You're sitting in a class, you are at work, and there's an eclipse going on. You understand? So at that time, don't waste the opportunity. Busy yourself in dhikr. Little children who are not going to pray Salatul Kusuf, but they can be told to do dhikr at that time. They can be told this is a time of dhikr. Okay. Salah, is that dhikr? So a dhikr fil kusuf, remember that salah is included in dhikr. Now tell me why. How is salah dhikr? Okay, in salah there is a lot of dhikr. Any other reason? Same thing. You're remembering Allah. You're doing tasbih, you're doing tahmeed, you're doing takbir. That is all dhikr. So salah is being established for the purpose of dhikr. What's the evidence that salah is dhikr? Give me an evidence. Open the Qur'an. What is the evidence that salah is dhikr? I should have asked you these questions earlier. وَأَقِمِ الصَّلَاةَ لِذِكْرِي That establish prayer for my remembrance. So, الذِّكْرِ فِي الْكُسُوفِ حدثنا محمد بن العلاء قال حدثنا أبو أسامة عن بريد بن عبد الله عن أبي بردة عن أبي موسى قال هيسار خاصفة الشمس فقام النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فزعا There was an eclipse of the sun and the Prophet ﷺ stood up, fazi'an, alarmed, scared. Yakhsha, he was afraid, an takuna sa'a, that it was the hour. He was afraid, he thought that it was the day of judgment. فَأَتَى الْمَسْجِدِ So he came to the masjid. فَصَلَّى And he prayed, بِأَطْوَلِ قِيَامٍ وَرُكُوعٍ وَسُجُودٍ رَأَيْتُهُ قَطُّ يَفْعَلُهُ 
I saw him praying with the longest qiyam and the longest rukur and the longest sujood that I had ever seen him performing. وَقَالَ And he said, هَذِهِ الْآيَاتِ These ayat الَّتِي يُرْسِلُ اللَّهُ That Allah sends لَا تَكُونُ لِمَوْتِ أَحَدٍ وَلَا لِحَيَاتِهِ They're not because of the birth of someone or the death of someone. وَلَكِنْ يُخَوِّفُ اللَّهُ بِهِ عِبَادَةِ But rather Allah frightens His servants through them. فَإِذَا رَأَيْتُمْ شَيْئًا مِنْ ذَلِكَ Then when you see something of that, فَفْزَعُوا إِلَى ذِكْرِهِ Then rush to His remembrance, وَدُعَائِهِ and making dua to him, وَاسْتِغْفَارِهِ And seeking forgiveness from him. What does this hadith tell us about the Prophet ﷺ? What does that teach us about him? Very true. That it shows to us that he did not know when the day of judgment is, when it's going to happen, because he thought it was the hour, but it wasn't the hour. So what does it show? He did not know. Right? And... It also tells us about the yaqeen that the Prophet ﷺ had and how much he feared the hour. I mean, it's amazing how we see even more terrifying you know, scenes on television or in reality outside when we see a huge storm. But we do not become afraid like this. We do not think about the Day of Judgment at that time. We're concerned about the safety of our lives the safety of our property, the safety of our car, but we're not concerned that it might be the day of judgment. And, I mean, a person when he dies, his akhirah begins, right? How do we know? Perhaps this calamity or this, uh, you know, storm could be the cause of our death. Who knows? Who knows that when a storm comes, a person could die in that. Recently, uh, you may have heard that in uh, Palestine, how this, w- one of the ministers, he was in a, participating in a march. Hmm? And what happened? There was a small clash between the Palestinians and the Israelis, and uh, he, he died, strangled to death. Strangled or something struck on his chest. And I was just reflecting that when he was participating in that march as a minister, I mean a government official, do you ever think? That a small clash, it was just a few soldiers and a few Palestinians. Could you ever expect that a small clash would cause the death of someone? No weapons. You never know. I mean, people in Mina, in Hajj, do they not die in stampedes? Look at how the Prophet ﷺ was afraid of the hour. He saw the eclipse. فَزِعًا يَخْشَى أَن تَكُونَ السَّاعَةِ فَأَتَ الْمَسْجِدِ First thing he did, he went to the masjid. And he prayed the longest salah that people had ever witnessed him pray. And then later on when the eclipse was finished, he addressed the people. He told them to remember Allah during this time. Make dua to Him. Do istighfar. Because why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala show these signs to us? وَمَا نُرْسِلُوا بِالْآيَاتِ إِلَّا تَخْوِيفًا to frighten, to cause fear. Bab الدُّعَاءِ فِي الْخُسُوفِ قَالَهُ أَبُو مُوسَى وَعَائِشَةُ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا عَنِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ So dhikr as well as dua. Dua should also be made during the khusuf. حَدَّثَنَا أَبُو الْوَلِيدِ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا زَائِدَةُ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا زِيَادُ بْنُ عِلَاقَ قَالَ سَمِعْتُ الْمُغِيرَةَ إِبْنَ شُعْبَةَ يَقُولُ إِنْ كَسَفَتِ الشَّمْسُ يَوْمَ مَاتَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ 
the sun eclipsed when the son of the Prophet ﷺ, Ibrahim, passed away. فَقَالَ النَّاسُ So the people said, إِنْ كَسَفَتْ لِمَوْتِ إِبْرَاهِيمِ the sun has eclipsed because of the death of Ibrahim. فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ إِنَّ شَمْسَ وَالْقَمْرَ آيَاتَانِ مِنْ آيَاتِ اللَّهِ لَا يَنْكَسِفَانِ لِمَوْتِ أَحَدٍ وَلَا لِحَيَاتِهِ فَإِذَا رَأَيْتُمُوهَا فَدْعُوا اللَّهَ وَصَلُّوا When you see them, when you see these, when you see the eclipse, then make dua to Allah. وَصَلُّوا حَتَّى يَنْجَلِي And perform the prayer until the sun is unveiled again. It becomes clear again. Why dua at this time? Dhikr understood, istikhar understood. Why dua? Dua for forgiveness, dua for protection. Protection against what? Punishment of the grave, difficulty of the, of the hour. Protection from the punishment of the fire. Bab qawlil imami fi khutbatil kusufi amma ba'du. The imam saying amma ba'd in the khutbah of the eclipse prayer. What does amma ba'd mean? As for what follows. And we read about this in uh, Jumu'ah also, Kitab al-Jumu'ah. So what does this show to us? That this khutbah has to be a proper khutbah, observing the proper etiquette, which is that at the beginning, there should be the hamd of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all right? and then followed by salat on the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, amma ba'd, and then the khutbah. وَقَالَ أَبُوْ أُسَامَ تَحَدَّثَنَا هِشَامٌ قَالَ أَخْبَرَتْنِي فَاطُمَةُ بِنْتُ الْمُنْذِرِ عَنْ أَسْمَاءَ قَالَتْ فَانْصَرَفَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ وَقَدْ تَجَلَّتِ الشَّمْسُ فَخَطَبَ The Prophet ﷺ ended the prayer when the sun had cleared and then he addressed the people فَحَمِدَ اللَّهَ بِمَا هُوَ أَهْلُهُ Then he praised Allah with praise that he is deserving of. ثُمَّ قَالَ Then he said أَمَّا بَعْدُ As for what follows. باب الصلاة في كسوف القمر. The prayer during a lunar eclipse. If you notice all the previous ahadith were about solar eclipse. What about the lunar eclipse? Is there any prayer prescribed for that? حدثنا محمود قال حدثنا سعيد بن عامر عن شعبة عن يونس عن الحسن عن أبي بكرة رضي الله عنه قال he said إن كسفت الشمس على عهد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فصلى ركعتين. He said the sun eclipsed in the time of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and he performed two rakat. And this shows that if he performed salah for the solar eclipse, then lunar eclipse, same thing. حدثنا أبو معمر قال حدثنا عبد الوارث قال حدثنا يونس عن الحسن عن أبي بكرة قال خسفت الشمس على عهد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فخرج so he went out يجر رداءه he was dragging his uh, shawl, his cloak. حتى until انتهى إلى المسجد he stopped at the masjid. وثاب الناس إليه and the people also drew to him. What does the word thaba literally mean? To cover, no. Thawb is to fold. Thaba, to fold. Okay? Because when you're folding, what do you do? Exactly. You take one part of it and you bring it to the other part. Alright? And this is why thawb clothes are called clothes because what do you do? You fold them. Alright? And then you put them on your body. All right, and then you wear the, when when you wear them, you kind of you know wrap it, right? So for example, hijab, you wrap it, so you're kind of folding it, all right? So wathab nasu ilayhi, the people also came to him, around him. Fasalla bihim rakaataini. Then he prayed two rakaat with them. Fanjalat al shamsu. Then the sun it cleared. 
فقال هيسد ان الشمس والقمر ايتان من ايات الله وانهما لا يقصفان لموت احد واذا كان ذاك فصلوا وادعوا حتى يكشف ما بكم وذاك ان ابنا للنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم مات Why did the Prophet ﷺ make this clarification? Because his son had died that day. Yuqaluluhu Ibrahim. He was called Ibrahim. فَقَالَ النَّاسُ فِي So the people started saying this about that incident, that the eclipse has happened because of the death of the Prophet ﷺ's son. Now how does this hadith show to us that the prayer also has to be performed when there is a lunar eclipse? Exactly. He said, إِنَّ الشَّمْسَ وَالْقَمَرَ آيَةً مِنْ آيَاتِ اللَّهِ Right? And he said that وَدْعُوا حَتَّى يُكْشَفَ مَا بِكُمْ right? Whatever is happening, whether it's the solar eclipse or the lunar eclipse. So as long the eclipse is happening, what should you do? فَصَلُّوا وَدْعُوا باب الرَّقْعَةُ الْأُولَى فِي الْكُسُوفِ أَطْوَلْ The first rak'ah is longer in the eclipse prayer. Longer than which one? And then the second one. How many rak'ahs are there? Two. حدثنا محمود قال حدثنا أبو أحمد قال حدثنا سفيان عن يحيى عن عمرة عن عائشة رضي الله عنها أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى بهم في كسوف الشمس He said that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم performed the prayer with them during the eclipse of the sun How much prayer? أربع ركعات في سجدتين أربع ركعات في سجدتين for rukur good because remember that the word rakar is also used for rukur so for rukur في سجدتين into sujood what does sujood mean here rakar so in other words for rukurs into rakat الأول الأول أطول the first was longer I mean, the first was longer. First rakar was longer than the second. First qiyam was longer than the second. First rukur was longer than the second. Bab al-jahri bil-qira'ati fil-kusuf. Al-jahri bil-qira'ah. Reciting out loud. Fil-kusuf during the eclipse. Meaning whether it's the lunar eclipse or the solar eclipse. Uh, whether the salah is being performed during the day or during the night. Obviously solar eclipse will be when? Daytime. And uh, lunar eclipse will be when? Night time. So the qira'ah has to be loud. Now if you think about it, the salawat that are performed in the night, meaning in the dark, the recitation is loud, jahri. Which ones? Fajr, Maghrib, Isha. Right? But when it comes to those prayers which are performed during the day, like Dhuhr and Asr, then how is the recitation in them? Sirri. Right? But we see that when the, these prayers are being performed in congregation, not Dhuhr and Asr, okay, but uh, a prayer is being performed in congregation, it's an unusual prayer, alright, then that prayer will be loud. For example, this one. Likewise, Jumu'ah, it's once a week, alright. Then likewise, Eid prayer, alright. So in all of these prayers, because there are more people gathered together, all right, uh, this is why the recitation has to be long. And it's easier for people to pay attention then. All right? What's the hikmah behind certain prayers, uh, the qira'ah in them being jahri and, and other prayers, qira'ah, sirri? What's the hikmah? Huh? 
if you think about it, during the night, you're tired. Or when it's dark, you're falling asleep. And when you have to listen and pay attention, it, it helps you have khushur. During the day, you're distracted. So it's difficult to listen and pay attention. And at that time, you have to read yourself in Zuhur and Asr. So you're more focused. And a variety, okay, when strategy is changed, that also helps people have focus. Right? So Al-Jahri bil-Qara'ati bil-Kusuf, Haddathana Muhammad ibn Mihran, Qala Haddathana al-Walid, Qala Akhbarana ibn Namir, Sami' ibn Shihab, An Urwata, An Aishata, Radiyallahu anha, جهر النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في صلاة القصوف بقراءته. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he made the قراءه loud during the صلاة القصوف. فإذا فرغ من قراءته كبر فركع. Then when he finished his قراءه he said the takbir and he went into rukur. وإذا رفع من ركعته قال سمع الله لمن حمده. When he got up from that rukur he said سمع الله لمن حمده ربنا ولك الحمد. ثم يعاود القراءة. Then he repeated the قراءه. في صلاة الكسوف meaning he began another قراءه same ركعه after the ركوع he began another قراءه أربع ركعات في ركعتين وأربع سجدات four ركوعs in two ركعات and four سجود this was the complete كسوف prayer وقال الأوزاعي وغيره سمعت الزهري عن عروة عن عائشة رضي الله عنها أن الشمس that indeed the sun خسفت على عهد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فبعث مناديا بالصلاة جامعة The sun eclipsed, the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم told someone مناديا, a caller, to make the announcement of الصلاة جامعة فتقدم, and then he went فصلى أربع ركعات في ركعتين وأربع سجدات What does it mean by أربع ركعات? For ركوع في ركعتين in two rak'ah, وَأَرْبَعَ سَجَدَاتٍ and four sujood. وَأَخْبَرَنِي عَبْدُ الرَّحْمَنِ بْنُ نَمِرٍ سَمِعَ بْنَ شِهَابٍ مِثْلَهُ قَالَ الزُّهْرِيُّ فَقُلْتُ مَا صَنَعَ أَخُوكَ هَذَا زُهْرِي said, I said, your brother didn't do this. Abdullah bin Zubair, مَا صَلَّى إِلَّا رَكَعَتَيْنِ مِثْلَ الصُبْحِ إِذْ صَلَّى بِالْمَدِينَةِ When he prayed in Medina, Salatul Kusuf, he just performed it like the Fajr prayer, meaning two qiyam, you know, two rukur and four sujood. Qala ajal. He said, okay. Indeed. Ajal means indeed. Innahu akhta'a sunnah. Yes, he did it. But he made a mistake with the sunnah. He did not know the sunnah, so he made a mistake. Taba'uhu Sufyan ibn Husaynin wa Sulaiman ibn Kathirin an al-Zuriyi fil So what do we learn from this? That a mistake may happen, admit it, and then move on. However, once a person learns about the sunnah, then what should be done? Follow the sunnah. Now, as we see over here, the announcement that is supposed to be made, that is not adhan. How is it? As-salatu jami'ah. Right? And then long qiyam, after the qiyam, rukur, get up from rukur, another qiyam, rukur, get up from rukur, and go into sujood. So I would like you to watch this. Salatu so he said, salatu jami'ah. And he made the announcement that it's khusuf so that people are not startled. Alhamdulillah, 
نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا So the selection of the surah, surah Qaf, why? Why do you think so? Okay. It's not a very short surah, but why else? Yes. To remind of the Day of Judgment, because that is what the surah talks about, warning. And these ayat, solar eclipse, lunar eclipse, they are supposed to be warnings. I'm just going to fast forward this to show you the rukuah part. So you understand now? And you see how uh, at the beginning of the salah, we saw in the video that how the eclipse was very, uh, I mean the moon was visible very little, but now as the salah is continuing, you can see the moon uh, is, you know, it's uh, clearing up more and more. So this is how the prayer should be. And in both the qiyams of the first rakah and the second rakah, Surah Al-Fatiha, and then a surah. 
Yes. The second one or that one too? Of course. I mean, uh, each is going to be shorter than the previous. And I meant like the third time when you're reciting the Surah Fatiha. Okay, the third time. Does it have to be shorter than the second? No. I don't know about that. But, I mean, there's going to be a slight difference. I mean, uh, the like the first Qiyam and the second Qiyam, it doesn't have to be so different that in the first Rakar there's Surah Al-Baqarah and in second Qiyam there's Surah Al-Nas, for example. No, there's going to be a slight difference. Yeah, just a little bit. A little bit. Mm-hmm. One more thing I wanted to clarify to you with regards to Kitabul Istisqa about the Tahweel al-Rida. What does Tahweel mean? Hawwala yuhawwilu Tahweel. Hawl. What does it mean to go around? Hawl is used for a year. Why? Because it goes around and then comes back. It's always going in circles, right? In loops. So, tahwil is to rotate in the sense that make something go from one side to the other. Alright? It doesn't mean turn inside out. So, some scholars have understood tahwil al-rida as turning the rida inside out, which is why you will find that. However, uh, majority of the scholars say that tahwil al-rida does not mean turn inside out it means that the rida is on the shoulders of a person right so because in the hadith we learned that the prophet ﷺ placed its left side on the right side ja'ala yaminahu ala shimal so what that means is that take the the part of the rida from the right side all right and then Wrap it around yourself in the sense that you take it from your front and put it on your left shoulder. Just like you do with a shawl. You understand? Like for example, if this is if the two sides of my hijab are considered to be rida, okay, and it's here, okay? So tahwil as in pick it up, turn it like this, and just take a portion of it and put it like this. You understand? So this is what tahwil is. It doesn't mean that the back part has to come in the front. It's still all around a person, the back and the front. But it's just that it's been shifted. It's been moved forward. You understand? It's been shifted. So for example, uh, this section was behind me. However, when I picked it up and I moved it like this, what was, you know, it almost, not fully, but almost. Okay, so it's like rotating it around you. Yeah, which is uh, turn inside out. I mean, that, that is very common, in fact. And this is the reason why you will see people doing this and you will also find it in translations. However, uh, Shaykh Minus Aymin, he was, uh, I mean, in, in his explanation of Kitab al-Istisqa, constantly criticizing the opinion of turning inside out. And I could not understand what it meant to do tahwil of rida then. So I asked my father and he showed me on Skype how to do it. So then I understood. And my mother also showed me on Skype. So alhamdulillah, this is why I'm uh, telling you. Because <laughs> I wanted to clarify to you what exactly it meant. And generally, if you think about it, a shawl, <coughs> a rida, it's not necessarily stitched. Generally. I mean, sometimes it is, but generally it's not stitched. 
Alright, so even if you do it inside out, what does that matter then? Do you know what I mean? So this makes more sense. Tahweel as in we're shifting it. So Ya Allah, you also shift our situation. Right? So quickly. You know, we're just picking up our shawl and quickly shifting it. So Ya Allah, you also quickly shift our situation and improve it for the better. And this is the reason why uh, the Prophet ﷺ, when he would pray with so much conviction, uh, we saw in a hadith how he was still standing on the mimbar that the rain fell. Normal basis, and that most of us are not wearing shawls. How would we apply okay. this? Women are not required to do it. Only men. All right. And, then and a man is to do it only if he has a rida. Only if he has a rida. So for example, if a person is wearing a jacket, that doesn't mean they have to turn their jacket inside out or they have to shift it. But if they're wearing, you know, like for example, in many cultures they do wear, uh, for example, in Arab culture they do wear a bish on top. So they can just pick it up and move it slightly because most of the time their arm is not even in the armhole. Right? It's not even in the armhole, right? So they can just pick it up and shift it a little bit to the side. Uh, if, a, if a man is wearing a, you know, like a scarf kind of thing on his head, he doesn't need to shift that. He doesn't need to rotate that or turn it inside out. I mean, the Prophet ﷺ did this to the ridha. If he's wearing a ridha, go ahead and do it. Don't start turning your clothes inside out or anything like that. I'm more visual. Do you mind doing it on the... Okay, sure. It's It's so simple. It's so simple. The thing is that when, when we read these words, we think it's going to be very complicated. Because this is how we approach the deen. It's going to be very sophisticated, complicated. But it's actually simpler than we think. So when you have a shawl on your shoulders, both sides are you know equal. The right side and the left side. So pick it up. The right side, you know, make it a little longer compared to the left. And then pick up the right side and put it on the left shoulder. Looks nice. Anything else? So this is the reason why I wanted to see exactly how it happens. So Alhamdulillah, you also got to see it. So with this, Alhamdulillah, we conclude our study of Bukhari for this course. For this course, because inshallah, Bukhari, inshallah, I do intend to continue it from January again. It's one of my dreams to complete this book, inshallah. And even if I find one person who would be willing to study this book with me, I'm willing to do it with them. Inshallah. So January onwards, if you're interested in continuing the study of this book at whatever time, at whatever place, let me know. Uh, I'd be more than willing to study this book with you. Inshallah. That's not going to continue uh, Friday uh, before Jumu'ah. The reason being that the next course is going to be five days a week. And Alhamdulillah, the building is so full now. Alhamdulillah, that we've been having our Friday morning fiqhul classes in the cafeteria. However, after that, the, ca- the cafeteria needs to be used. So really there is no space in the building. However, there is one small room that can be used. And inshallah, uh, whoever would like to come, we can either do it there. Or the other option was Jumu'ah uh, after, uh, after Salatul Jumu'ah. However, it's, not, it's a time where usually people are in a rush. I myself included in that so it is a difficult time however if that is if that is what best suits you then I, I have no problem inshallah I'll make myself available so if you're interested let me know inshallah otherwise I will just uh, teach in front of a screen because there are mashallah students in uh, Pakistan who've been taking this course 
And Alhamdulillah, within just a few months, they have actually listened to all of the Bukhari recordings. MashaAllah. And these students have come from UK and, and different, different places uh, just to study Bukhari. So it's one of my dreams to inshallah complete this book. Inshallah. And with this, I would uh, conclude my class with you for this course. This is my last class with you. Just for this course. I have to keep saying that. That whatever you've learned, inshallah, it's a source of khair for you and your families. Everything that you've learned. And may all of this knowledge be a hujjah for you. And may this be a source of continuous growth and improvement, uh, spiritual development, and um, this path that you've adopted of learning the deen of Allah. May this always be uh, a part of your life. Inshallah. I seek your forgiveness for anything that I may have said or done that could have hurt your feelings or annoyed you or bothered you. I sincerely apologize to you. I know I've taken your time. I've gone over time. I've probably annoyed you with some of my some of the things that I said. Barakallahu feekum ajma'in. Love you all for the sake of Allah. Yes, my dear, go ahead. You know, with the Vittar Salah, we mm-hmm. had, uh, you had asked us to research in the, uh, of the Qunut. Mm-hmm. And I was researching and also I was reading, like I was reading the whole thing yesterday, um, trying to just familiarize myself with the whole English topic. And I was reading somewhere, and even one of these uh, websites, I think it's called Final Revelation, it mentioned the fact that um, it was said that um, the, the Qunut was done in some place times before the ruku and sometimes after, after. ruku. So, and then one time, I think one of, I think it was Anas bin Malik, and he said that, uh, somebody said that you told them that it was done after ruku, and he said, no, no, the person lies, it was done bef- before the ruku, so what do we take from there? Do we do it before ruku sometimes, and do it after ruku sometimes, or? Um, the thing is that in certain situations, it is easier to do qunut before ruku, like for example, if a person thinks that he will forget after ruku, because that also happens. So it's best that they do their qunut before going into ruku, right? Or sometimes it happens that a person intended to do their qunut and they forgot and then they're in the ruku and they remember I have to do my qunut. So then on getting up, they can do it. So in either case, it is fine. Okay. But to say that only one is okay, that is something that requires evidence. If the Prophet ﷺ did both ways, then we also have to do both ways. I mean, you'll find opinions in which the scholars have said it's better to do it before rukur. And others will say, it is better to do it after rukur. And I found statements like that from Imam Ahmad, uh, Ibn Hanbal, uh, Shaykh Uzzam Ibn Taymiyyah, so many uh, different opinions that really, I couldn't say that this one, you know, you should follow. Because all these ahadith are there. Right? And they show to us it can be before and after. The deen of Allah is vast. It is a beautiful deen. And really the beauty of this deen you learn from the sunnah. You begin to appreciate the religion even more when you study the hadith. You know, for instance, today when we learned about in salah you can, you know, gesture, take care of yourself, you know, answer the question of someone who is desperately in need of an answer. You can do that without talking, without communicating. I mean, it really shows you that Allah is great and His religion is also great. It is indeed a very beautiful religion. And the more you study the sunnah, the more you develop yaqeen, 
the certainty that this has got to be the truth. I mean, it really is divine. This this can only be from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the fact that for every uh, for every part in your life, I mean, whether it is kusuf or it is lack of water, whatever it may be, there is guidance that we find in the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa khayrul hadi, hadi Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And uh, this video that we were watching of kusuf prayer, I was just imagining thousands of people praying in haram together. Right? And this this one that you saw, this video, Rukur was short. Okay? And obviously the reason is that there's so many people, all types of people. So to make it easy for everybody, they have to do that. There was another video I saw in which the Rukur was long. Quite long. And I was just thinking that so many people are humbling themselves before Allah. And Allah is showing you know, a, a sign to His creation Allah is so big, He is so alim, and He becomes happy with His servants who come together and pray. If you think about it, what we do is so little compared to Allah's majesty. But Allah is so appreciative that He appreciates you know, these small, small things that we do. These small, small things that we, you know, we pay attention to. So the sunnah really... It, it opens up different ways for you, opens up your eyes as to how you can you know, continue to learn and continue to grow and do different, different things to draw closer to your Lord. And this is the reason why I really don't want to stop studying this book. Inshallah. Anything else? Go ahead. May Allah forgive all your sins. Inshallah. Okay, Inshallah. سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته